0: All right. Well, that was fun, wasn't it? Oh, man. Well, happy 4th of July weekend, y'all. Hope you've had a great time celebrating our independence. And it is so fun to be here together, isn't it? Man, I'm loving this. I love the vibe. I love the energy that was already in the room even before we started. So living on a prayer, you guys, what does that mean? Well, you live on a prayer when you're hoping or desiring something and you don't see it happening unless there's some divine intervention. That's when you're living on a prayer. And I, I think what a great, this, even this weekend, you know, 200 over 200 years ago, when our forefathers were fighting to give us our freedom, I bet there were many days they were living on a prayer. Just realizing unless God doesn't show up, man, this isn't gonna happen. How many of you have found a season in your life when you were living on a prayer? Okay, it's what it is, to be human. I, I, yeah, when I hit 30 years old and I was still single, I started living on a prayer. It's like, come on, baby. Apparently, I can't get this done. So I need Jesus. And he showed up. Thank you. And then, you know, but then on more serious sides, when I got the call when I was 22 years old, um, just a few weeks into my first job that my mom had cancer, and she had two months to two years to live. When you get a call like that, you start living on a prayer. Immediately. Because you want to see something happen. But if God doesn't intervene, you feel like it isn't going to happen. And I just want to tell you, today, as we go through this message, I hope you realize by the end of the day, we, are, we have no idea, actually, how much we really are living on a prayer. Way more than we realize. So, you all got things you want to see happen? I mean, you always, we always do. We always have things we want to see God do, and we want to see him intervene. So as we look at this passage and we read the New Testament, one of the things that's crazy is Paul prayed All the time, because he wanted to see stuff happen, and what we're going to see as well is God wants to see things happen too. He does. He wants to see things happen for you. He wants to see things. Man, I can't talk. He wants to see. I'm going to talk. He does want to see things happen for those that you love. He wants to see things happen for K2. And what's interesting is once you start to see what God wants to see happen, then you begin to want those things too. And that's when they become first to you. Once you believe and see and understand that God has desires. And so that's our series. We're talking, we're going through a whole thing called First. And we're looking at passages of scripture where God has given us some priorities. First means that they are, either they become, they come before everything else or they are over everything else in importance. And so we're gonna be in 1 Timothy chapter two today. If you have your Bibles, um, pull open to that. uh, The first six verses is where we're gonna be camping. So let me share with you real quick though what happens before he writes chapter two, right? He writes chapter one. And in chapter one, (laughs) that was a very profound statement, wasn't it? (laughs) Y'all following me today? All right. So, um, but in chapter one, one of the things Paul does is he reflects back on how he became a follower of Christ in the first place. And he's just in awe. Like he can't believe that he actually is living the life that he's living. And he describes himself in three ways. He goes, because I was once a blasphemer. And what a blasphemer means is you were saying the absolute opposite, you you were completely against the truth that God was revealing. He was totally anti what the Holy Spirit was saying. So Paul was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor, and he was a violent man. And he just goes on, he goes, I can't believe that I'm here. God's grace is unbelievable. You know, it's interesting, if you have, if you're a follower of Christ here today, do you ever reflect on how in the world you got to be that? Like I know for me and my family, my, I have two brothers and two sisters. There's five of us. We have this conversation almost every time we get together. Because when we look at us, we just go, how in the world did we end up getting to know God through Christ the way that we do? Both my brothers are on staff at the church I came from in Detroit. My sister married a guy who's a, 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 a theology professor at a seminary who's now a pastor. My younger sister's totally committed. Into the, I mean, and, and we just look at this and we go, this makes no sense. The only thing we've been able to come up with is you know what happened? See, because my mom grew up, uh, she was a, a farmer, uh, grew up on a farm, and one of my favorite things as a kid was hanging out with my uncles, man. There were lots of words I'd never heard anywhere else <laughs> that I got to hear around my uncles. You know, smoking, having a great time, big burly guys. And that was what my, the, the home that my mom grew up in. Not a whole lot of Jesus going on there. And yet, there was a woman who was her neighbor And she would stop by and she'd pick up my mom every day when she was a little girl. And she would take her to church. And so my mom got an introduction to Jesus because somebody else saw some interest in her and put her in here. Here's what's interesting. My mom told us that when she was a girl, when she was a young girl, she already started praying for her kids. And that's the only thing that we've been able to tie it back to. Guys, there is a priority of prayer. If you want to see something happen, then prayer is the way that it happens. So let's read the passage together. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. Paul says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. All right, let's pray and then let's figure out this priority of prayer. Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for a weekend to celebrate the freedom that we have. The freedom to gather together, the freedom to worship you, the freedom the, that we celebrate, we're so grateful for. And God, today, I, I, I know as well, we're going to talk about that and I, I, in a much deeper, profound way. And so we just ask, I ask right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we talk about pray, prayer, I pray in his name, that your power and your grace and your mercy and your love and your truth would reign supreme in here. Open our eyes, help us to see you, help us to know you, help us to walk out transformed a little bit closer to you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Paul urges us, right? So first of all, you got an urging. It's like, this is really important to me. He says, first of all, over everything else, he goes, I want you to pray. So why does he want us to do this? Why does he urge us to pray, first of all? And here's our our points. Number one, it's because God wants all people to be saved. That's what the scripture says, right? In verse three, he says, this is good and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what can we understand from this, this verse right here? The first thing that we need to understand, you guys, is all people need to be saved, all people do. God has desire for every person on this planet. But one of the things we got to understand is that we all actually need to be saved. Romans 3.23 puts it, puts it this way, all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And so, in sin is this, it's simply this, no person has the will or the heart to live in accordance with God at the center. We just don't. Every person has sinned. Every person has said no to God and gone their own way. In fact, the Old Testament prophecy put it this way. We all, here's this word. You guys, do you guys notice when I, read the, when I read the scripture how many times it says all in this? Back in the Old Testament, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And so from this, we just need to understand there's not a person on the planet who doesn't need to be saved. And here's what's cool, though. And God wants who to be saved? Everybody. That's great news, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. He loves the world. So God wants all people to save. And, that, and so here's what, and here's what we need to see, right? So God wants to see something happen, doesn't he? God has desires in his heart, and he wants to see all people saved. And so Paul says, so pray, man, because this is God's desire. Number two, Jesus died. For Who? all the people. So here's the other thing we can understand, is Jesus wants to see things happen. (laughs) And so we get to verse uh, five, and it says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. So every human being has gone astray. And what the Bible talks about, you guys, is that it says that we are actually captives, that there is a dominion of darkness. There is a, an authority of darkness. And every human being is under that authority. They're captive. He says the Bible tells us that we're slaves to sin. Right? That there's something inside of us that just naturally causes us to move away from God. You all know that, right? <laughs> because we all have that inside of us. So what a ransom is, when this verse says that Jesus Christ gave himself as a ransom for all people. A ransom is the price that needed to be paid to free a slave or to redeem a prisoner of war. So later, uh, when when we get ready to worship, we're gonna sing a song where it talks about the fact that there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. And the greatest chain that Jesus Christ came to break was this chain that we have that causes our heart to be bound to say no to God for some reason. We just do naturally, and we talk about this all the time. No one has ever had to teach your kid to say no. They just do it naturally. No one has to train your kid, hey listen, really seriously, just say mine, mine. No, because kids go mine, and no, naturally. That is, but nothing changes, man. I'm 49 years old, and I still have this chain, this this thing that wants to try to lure me to say no to God and to say yes to myself. And here's the deal the price has been paid for all people, and this is so great, you guys. No one is excluded. (laughs) Jesus Christ came, He broke the chain, He completely paid the ransom to set who free? All the people free. And so this is why I love this. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now this is really important. So God wants you. Jesus, when he came, what did he say? He said, I came to testify to the truth. You guys are of this world. You're temporary. You're finite in your understanding. He said, I am from another world. I am eternal. I'm the one who created everything. I'm the only one who actually knows what's true. I have come down here to testify to the truth. And God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now what's interesting, in this section here, there's some kind of exclusive wording and there's very inclusive wording. I think it's kind of exclusive when it says this, there is how many gods? There is one God. And how many mediators? And there is one mediator between God and mankind, Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. We've been talking about this for the last month when we did our series through Matthew 18. Is Jesus, God made it very clear in, in Ephesians chapter 1 that He revealed the mystery of His will which He purposed in Christ. And the mystery of God's will in Christ was to bring everything, was to unify everything under one head. You guys, and, and, and you guys know this, when everything comes together, when it's one, that's when we have words like harmony. <laughs> and that's when we have words like peace. That's when things can get productive, when they all are in unity. When things aren't one, that's when it gets chaotic. And we can understand that. And here's the, here's the truth. There can really only be unity. Unity can only happen if everything is revolving around one center. If it's not revolving around one center, if there's different centers, if there's different things, it's gonna be chaos. So I was thinking about this. Anybody play in the high school band? Anybody play in the band? Right? So did you ever, ever sit there? Not very many of you played in the band. Where's all of my band geeks? Come home. I was, so I can call us that. All right. But do you, do you ever remember sitting there and you're ready to, you're going through the song and the director's up there and somebody doesn't count off the measures right and they come in at a completely different place in the score? Yeah, you all know what that sounds like. It's just nasty. Can you well think about this? What if the orchestra is sitting there and, and somebody comes up and they hand out four different pieces of music? Beautiful pieces of music. But there's four different ones, right? And the conductor gets up there and he and he starts off and whoom, right off the bat, it would be what? Chaos. You all have to be playing from the same score. Sorry, I'll pass out umbrellas later. <laughs> You all have to be playing from the same score or it's chaos. The same is true in sports, right? The guy comes into the huddle in football and he, and, he, and he gives you the play. And some guy doesn't hear it right. And so he runs a different play. What happens to that play? It falls apart. It's chaos. And so we understand this. Guys, there is one God. And Jesus, I want you to come to the knowledge of the truth. Unity. Unity in your relationships with each other can only happen. Unity, we all want peace on earth, right? We all want everybody to get along. And yet my idea of what is right and your idea of what is right actually is so conflicting to one another, we can't get along. That's because you need one God and you need one mediator. And we have to come to the knowledge of that truth. And then, so it's kind of exclusive, but how cool is this? That the one God is for who? All the people. So he's exclusive, but he's incredibly inclusive. Jesus Christ didn't give his life for just a few people. He gave his life for all the people, and no one is excluded from his payment. So my picture, I've shared this quite a few times here. Basically, what the Bible tells us is every human being is in prison. You are a slave to sin. You can't help but do what you want to do, and you don't follow God. And God sends Jesus to save us from our sin. God, our Savior, wants all people to save. So he sends down Jesus. Jesus pays the ransom, lays down his life. And when he did that, it's like he opened up the prison door. And the door's flung wide open for who? For the Yeah, all the, everyone. For everyone, for all the people. And so what we can know today, and this is such great news, is there's not a soul that you know that the prison door isn't wide open. There's not a person on this planet who is excluded from the grace and the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. We have a great God who loves everybody. Now, can I just say, I just wanna say real quick, I think some of you in this room, you may may feel like there is no way that God could ever forgive you. Some of you, you, you have this burden that you carry in your soul. Because you've done things in your past. I've talked to you. And you've even come to church and you're trying to, it's almost like you've got your own scrub brush and you go, maybe, maybe if I come to church, I can get this spot clean. And maybe if I try to be a better person, I can get this spot clean. And it won't go away. And some of you just feel like there's no way. I'm too bad. There's no way that God could really love me or forgive me. Man, I love Romans three twenty-two through 24. Listen to what it says. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all, now listen to this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Isn't that great news? Are a bunch of screw-ups. But so is everybody on this planet. And all of us have been saved. The door is flung wide open. But, now what this doesn't mean, is this, does this mean that everybody on the planet's gonna be saved? No, because there's this one little simple thing you gotta do. You gotta believe it. You actually have to receive the gift. So if you're in your prison of rebellion against God, the door's already flung wide open. You don't have to do anything to get out except what? That's it. All you gotta do is go, really? <laughs> now that's it. Now, here's why we don't like to do that. Because as soon as you walk, do this. You leave yourself being Lord of your life and you actually enter into Christ. And this beautiful one who gave up his life for you and loves you and created you with amazing purpose can actually start to fulfill the reason why you're here. And we still fight that. I love, now if you're still struggling, you feel like there's no way that God could do this for me. Look at first Timothy, right? Here's what Paul actually said in chapter one. He goes, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, this is why Paul loves this passage. This is why he goes, listen, can I just tell you, man, Jesus came and he died for all the people. You know how I know? Because like I was the worst one. I was killing his kids. Now it's crazy, I've, I've, I've prayed with some of you, and some of you feel so guilty for what you've done, and I'll come alongside and I'll go, okay, yeah, that's pretty bad. That was good. You, you, yeah, you're pretty bad. Now let's, let's go here. Who have you murdered? Who have you murdered? Well, nobody, okay. And were you murdering like lots of people? No. And were you murdering the people that Jesus loved? who decided to follow him? No. Well, then you're good to go! (laughs) Then that's what Paul is trying to say here, man. I died for all the people, and you need to know I'm an example for you. And here's all I wanna say, you guys. Like Paul, once you've been saved, once you realize I was going down and I was separate from God and I was gonna spend eternity apart from him because I couldn't follow him. I just couldn't, I didn't want to. As I shared last week, I just run away from God. And once you realize that God came after you and he rescued you while you were drowning and he pulled you out of the water and he got you in the rescue boat and you're good to go. Woo! Then what do you want more than anything else? Let me tell you. (laughs) You want to help other people get out of the water. Don't you? You know, last night I was thinking about this and all I could picture was the Titanic. Tried to find the clip, and I couldn't find it, but I just, so my, maybe my memory's wrong, but my memory of that movie, just watching people dropping into the water, right? And then the whole problem with the Titanic was what? They didn't have enough rescue boats, because this thing wasn't gonna go down. Well, it went down. And I just wanna tell you, the world's gonna go down. And do we have enough rescue boats? And so what happened, right, is like, well, we got in my boat, and people are clamoring, and they're fighting, and they're trying to get in. Whoo, I'm in. And other people are like trying to get in the boat. Like, no, baby, not my boat. And and can you you imagine? And I remember I did watch one clip, the horror as people were in their boat and they're watching other people fall down and drown and die. See, there's something inside. You can see it on their faces. They hated that. I mean, who, who in their right mind would not want to, if you were safe, try to save as many people as you could? So what happens and happened to Paul and why he wrote chapter one and why he wrote Timothy is he's like, I gotta tell you, man, I was the worst and he saved me and now I'm filled with the spirit of God and I know him. And so I wanna tell you what, man, f- of first importance, I'm urging you, you gotta pray for all people. So that's it, number three, we need to pray for all people. Can I ask you a question? Do you wanna see something happen? Okay, four of us. (laughs) This is going to be a harder message than I thought. No, I know. No, I want to. I want to. Let me just talk to all of you who are Christians in here. God, I always want to say words I'm not supposed to say when I want to be strong. What do you want to see happen? Who do you love? Who do you know right now that doesn't know the saving grace of God? Who do you know right now whose lives are falling apart and they're flailing in the sea of all of their sin and all of the recklessness of this life? And do you want to see something happen? Then Paul says, I'm urging you, man, first of all. Let's do this. Let's read it. I urge you, first of all, petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and dignity. Now before I get into the pray for all people, let me just try to real quickly hit the kings and authorities and stuff. Everything I read about that. So if you're going to pray, the Bible tells us, pray for our president, pray for national world leaders, pray for everybody who's in authority. And I was thinking there's a couple reasons here. The, the, the easy one would be because prayer for authorities may change their heart, right? And so we need to be praying for our authorities because we want them to govern in God's ways. We want them to be just in their dealings. We want them to be fair and be righteous in all they're doing. So, so yeah, let's pray for them. Now, every every commentary I read as I was studying this passage said, and what they're saying is, so let's pray for that because if we if if and you gotta remember, right, when Paul wrote this, it was a Roman Empire and it was nasty. And the government was nasty. But here in America, we're like celebrating because we're all free, right? So what he's saying is, in this point, to this, to this culture, he was saying, pray for your authorities because if they would actually start to change in their ways and their thinking and governing God's ways, then we would actually have peace. And if there's peace, then we would be free to worship like we're doing and the gospel could actually spread and more people could actually come to know Christ if we pray for our, our, our governing authorities. You guys follow that? Okay, so I think that's true. Can I tell you though, here's the other thing. So prayer for authorities may change their heart. But here's the other thing. I think prayer for authorities changes our hearts. And some of us need to pray for those that we disagree with because our hearts are nasty. And so, here's what happens, man. When you pray for someone, it does change your heart toward them. And so here's the other thing is, when we pray in God's name, and then we can know that, that, that we can actually rest and trust that God is actually over the government. How many believe that he's actually bigger than the government? Okay. So if you're praying and you're asking and you're trusting that God is over all things, he's in the good and he's in the bad. You guys know that? Like you read the Old Testament, you realize sometimes God said, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and let this crazy nation rise up. It's going to be ugly for a while. And I'm going to use it. Right? So God is over all things. And so when you're praying for your governing authorities, it can put your heart at rest and remind you that he's actually in control and he's bigger. And so as soon as you can be at rest because you're trusting God, then you know what happens? Then you can live these quiet, peaceful lives in all godliness and dignity. Our brothers and sisters in China, do you think they're praying for the governing authorities? Absolutely they are. But you know who else they're praying for? Us. Because guys, you guys are so fat and happy over there, you don't even really need Jesus. Like, we're over here in China, and we need Jesus. And guess where the church is thriving and growing? Anybody know? Yeah, in China. Not here. In America, we're diminishing down in our freedom. And over in China, with persecution, the church is growing. So as I read this passage, I'm like, well, maybe, what do I really want to pray for? You know? I'm not praying for all to be persecuted, by the way. I just... But here's what was interesting. In that culture, Nero was the emperor at that time. And Nero was violently persecuting and killing Christians. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You know, when I, I read a book on the emperors during Jesus' time, wow. It was crazy. We haven't seen nothing. You know what Jesus was able to do? Live a quiet, peaceful life in all godliness and dignity. So pray for those who persec- pray for those. Pray for those who are in authority. Pray that God would actually change their heart, so they'll govern in His ways. But the other thing that'll happen is it'll help your heart as well. Now let me close with two things about prayer: the priority of prayer. And these are things that God has really been teaching me way before I was even studying for this message. Here's the first one. Two very important lessons on prayer. Number one, we are chosen and appointed to pray. We are chosen. All of you right in this room, if you're a Christian, God chose you and he appointed you to pray. About three weeks ago, I was doing my own time with Jesus in the morning And as I began my prayer, I just said, Lord, I'm just going to open my heart up right now. And I'm asking that you would just meet meet me with your spirit. Unite my heart with your heart so that I'll actually go and bear fruit for you today, fruit that will last. And as soon as I prayed that, I I just thought, I'm going to go look at that verse. So here it is. Look at this, John 15, 16. Jesus says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So all of us in this room, we were chosen by Jesus. If you're a Christian, you were chosen by him and he appointed us for you and me to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So how how do you bear fruit? Well, if you guys know, this is John 15. This is when Jesus was talking about the vine and the branches. And he literally says, I'm a vine and you guys are a branch. If you remain in me, if you stay close to me, if you follow me, if you keep in step with the Spirit, if you do what I say, if you and I are like this, then guess what? He says, you will bear much fruit. And it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. I, I, that's what I do. I, I produce stuff, and I want to do that in you. But then, when I looked at this verse, so I've, as a pastor, I've taken that really seriously. I know, man, I didn't choose God. I didn't. I told you last week, I was running away from him, and he just ran faster. That's my testimony. But I know he chose me. And I know he chose me. And I know he created K2, the church, to be a place that bears fruit. And fruit that will last. But I had never seen that I'm supposed to bear fruit that will last so that, why? So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And so, man, this changes everything for me. We're chosen and appointed ultimately to pray. So, and here's the point. Like, if I'm walking in Christ and if I'm doing what he wants me to do, and if I'm experiencing the fullness of God, then he's like, then start asking for stuff in my name. And then the Father's gonna give you whatever you ask. So can I ask you again? Does anybody in here wanna see something happen? Oh, that was much better. Thank you. So how cool is this? If you and I wanna see some fruit and we wanna see God do something in this valley and we wanna see him do something in your friends and your neighbors, if you wanna see him do something in your own life and in your marriage and in your own heart, how cool is this, man? Then walk in the spirit, stay connected to God, and start asking. We are chosen and appointed to prayer. I urge you, now I understand why Paul says, I urge you first, first to pray. Can I ask you a question? Is prayer the first thing off your checklist? I mean, you know, we were talking about this. It's crazy, isn't it? When, When do you finally get to praying? Yeah, when you're in trouble. You know, when you can't figure it out yourself. When you need God. And so what's crazy, you guys, and then who do you pray for? Can I just ask you that? Like, who do you pray for? Do you understand, if you're a follower of Christ today, that God has chosen you and appointed you to pray for people? This is crazy stuff. So the first lesson on prayer is you are chosen and appointed to prayer. Here's the second thing, last thing. All of our prayer must be done in the name of Jesus. Any actually effective prayer is done in the name of Jesus. That's why it says up here, right? So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. So what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? I remember when I was a kid, I still have this memory. I was sitting at our, our, our dinner table and my mom was doing the prayer for the meal, and she got done praying, and then she just went, amen. And I remember I looked up and I go, that prayer ain't gonna work. <laughs> she didn't say in Jesus' name. I mean, that's I, so what I thought. I thought you gotta put the tag on the end. You know, if you don't put the tag on the end, it's just like, well, good luck, Mom, on that one, all right? So, but here's, here's what we need to understand. Names for us today aren't, Re- usually that important. Names for us are simply a convenient label to distinguish one person from another. Hi, right? There's Steve, Steve, that's Steve, we know Steve because Steve, and I'm Dave, and we're different. Okay. <laughs> in antiquity, in history, the name stood. It was so much more important. The name actually stood for the whole personality. In the name, if you said in the name, then it was an extension of that person's actual being. In the name, means the very nature of who that person is. So, when you pray in the name of Jesus, what you're doing is you're praying in accordance with all that Jesus is. You're praying in accordance with his nature. Man, I pray in the name of Jesus. That means all that Christ is and all that He does somehow moves in my prayer. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, this is why this is so beautiful, man. He didn't just die, He rose again, and He is sitting right now at the right hand of the Father, which is the place of all authority, doing what? Interceding for us. So, literally, when I'm connected and I'm in the vine and I'm walking in the Spirit, And I've received Christ, and the Bible says Jesus is in me. When I'm walking that way, and then I pray in the name of Christ, in the supernatural way, all that Jesus is and all that Jesus does can come through my prayer. It's done in his name. So another way you put that is I pray in accordance with his will. My daughter's over here, my two daughters over here. I was just thinking this morning, sorry, guys. Mariah said, please, if you're ever going to talk about me, tell me first. I forgot to tell you. I'm telling you right now, all right? No, but I, I was just thinking like this. I was thinking about my kids. My kids just need to learn this, right? Like sometimes just ask for everything in my name is kind of what I want to say. It's like when it's 8 o'clock in the morning and you haven't had any breakfast and you ask if you can have Coke, what's the answer? What's the answer, guys? No, see, you know that, right? Why? Because that's not in my nature to give you Coke, right? It's summer break. What do they want to do? They want to stay up late every night, every night. And they ask, and my answer is no, because you know what you're going to be like tomorrow. And so we're not going down that road. See, when we ask stuff that's not in Jesus' nature, and then we actually want him to answer those prayers, he's going, no, no. If I love you, I'd never answer that prayer. So we gotta figure out who Jesus is and what his nature is. 1 John 5, 14 says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Is that not awesome? So what we gotta figure out then is what is his will? What is the nature of Christ? And make sure that we're praying in that way. But can I just tell you, it is hard to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because all of us have plans that we want for our life. But this is what it's all about. And I want to tell you, this is why abiding in the vine precedes praying in his name. We will never actually pray in his name if we're not walking with God. If we're walking away from God, then we got our own deal. We're not saying yes to him anyway. And then what we're doing is we're wrestling with him because we want to see this happen and we're asking God to do this and it's not even in his will. So you actually have to abide in the vine first. That's why he said, I chose you and appointed you so that you would bear much fruit by staying in this with me. And then, when you ask stuff in my name, because now you're asking in my nature because I'm changing you to be like me, now you're asking for the stuff that I really care about and somehow supernaturally, which is crazy to me, because I don't always get this prayer thing, but God is saying, when you pray in my name in accordance with my will, stuff happens. So do you want to see something happen? Oh, it's getting better. So, what does his name entail? What is his will? I'm telling you guys, this is where you have to know the scriptures. You have to know the scriptures. you got to let Jesus reveal to you who he is and what his will is. Because so much of the time we think our own will is like his, and it's so different. Oh, the kingdom of God is so completely different. So you got to be in there, and you have to understand what it is. The other thing you have to do, so number one, how do you, how do you find out what his will is? Number one is you got to be in the Scripture. Number two, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me pray. Help me pray. If I'm going to pray for somebody, I'm like, God, you know what's going on in that person's life. Help me pray, because I want to pray the right thing for them. Because sometimes people ask me, "Well, will you really pray for this? And I'm like, something in my spirit will go, I don't know if I really should pray for that. Right, I got to pray the right thing. I want to pray God's will. I want I want you to come to know Him. And here's what's interesting: pray in His name. Well, what does His name mean? Do you know what Jesus means? God saves. And what does God want all people to be? Jesus. Saved. Pray in the name of Jesus. In His name and His nature is He came to save. He came to seek and to save. And so when I think about that, you guys, all of our prayers need to be in accord with true and complete salvation. Here's how you can know if you're praying in God's will, in his name for somebody. You are always praying that something that will cause them to move one step away from sin. Right? Because he came to save us from our sin. So man, pray for people to get away from stuff that's not in accordance with God. And you can know that's what? That's God's will for that person. And then you can know he's hearing that. But Jesus didn't just save us to save us from our sin, what else did he do when he saved us? He reconciled us to God. He brought us to God. So the other thing you can pray for is not just that they'll be saved from sin and stop doing stuff they shouldn't be doing, we can also pray for each other, anything that leads that person closer to God. That's in the name of Jesus. You can know that Jesus says, I wanna save you. And if you pray in the name of Jesus, I want you to know God. So I'm gonna pray that you'll go away from things that are apart from God, and I'm gonna pray you'll join in things that are going towards God. And this is why, you guys, we have to be so careful about our American dream prayers. (laughs) Because I tell you what, man, almost probably, I don't even know what the percentage is. We pray for a whole lot of junk that is not God's will. You guys know that? And what we want God to do for us is actually stuff that causes us to go farther away from him. God, I just want some more money so I can be even more independent of you. Right? God, I just want a bigger house. and I want to have a nicer thing. Can I get a better job? Because then I'll be so comfortable, I won't even need you. You guys see how he might not answer your prayers? We've got to be careful about that. Now, at the same time, the, all of your heart can be right. And he's saying, I'm not. I'm just saying we have to be careful because the kingdom of God is going to. What God's going to answer is anything that's going to keep you closer to Him, and He's not going to answer things that are going to draw you away from Him. And I think part of the reason, half the time, we just don't even know what those things are. But here's what I do know today: God wants all people to be saved. Jesus died for all people, and so we're supposed to pray for all people. So. He, Here's our application. First of all, I, I just want to tell you, the last three weeks of my life have been completely different. When, God, when I read John 15, 16 and sat down with that, you can ask my wife, my life, my I can't be the same anymore. See, this is what happens when you run into God, right? When you run into his word and he tells you, first of all, I'm urging you to pray. My prayer for you this morning is that all of you in this room would take this seriously and start praying. Anybody in here going to start praying? Okay. Any of you going to say, man, I want to see some stuff happen? Then I'm going to go to the throne of God and I'm going to ask for his grace and his mercy on behalf of my own life and on half of people and for those that I don't know. One guy said this, the progress of the gospel in the world is dependent on the prayers of God's people in the church. You were chosen and appointed to pray. And number two, walk in accordance. Here's your other application. Stay tight with Jesus. Stay connected to the vine. So that your heart be, actually becomes like his. So that your desires are just like his desires. And then you'll actually pray in his name. And you'll pray in accordance with his will. And then God's stuff will get done. So, guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray. Y'all ready? So band, you guys, come on up. Before we do, we have a couple really important things I want to pray for. Together, corporately, as a church today. But before we do, I just want I, I to get our hearts ready for this because here's the other thing Jesus means God saves do you know what Christ means Christ means the anointed one the Messiah he's the one with all the authority so when you pray in the name of Jesus one of the things you can know is if Jesus actually comes in Jesus Christ is the one who saves with all authority And so when you pray in his name and his life actually moves through your prayers, then we can know it's like, okay, the one who's going to help people get away from stuff that's not of God and the one who's going to draw people closer to God is the one who actually has the authority because he's the Messiah over everything in heaven and earth. He's seated at the right hand of God. (laughs) That means there's all power and all authorities in Christ.